The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information about our church, for more sermon audio, or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, I, um, I am so excited to be continuing on in 1 Corinthians. Uh, this text is absolutely incredible. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3. But before you get there, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Um, and while you're getting there, let me just set the stage for this, this text. So this is early on in Jesus' ministry. Very early on in his ministry, he, is, he had just called his disciples. He's starting to teach. Uh, crowds are beginning to just come around him and just be intrigued by this man, his message, and all of these supernatural things that were going on around Jesus. Um, they were being drawn to him, and it was in this moment, in this time, that Jesus delivers a sermon that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. So literally, Jesus... Is, is on a mountainside looking out over crowds before, you know, PA systems and microphones, uh, teaching them. This is one of those times, every time I read this, I'm like, I wish I, I was there. Like, what would that have been like? But Jesus is teaching uh, here, and, and obviously Jesus had never been to seminary, because in seminary they tell you, say, have one point with three subpoints and a couple applications, right? That's the making of every good sermon, well, Jesus disregards all of that, and he just shotguns. Like, if you read this message, it is just, if you were trying to take notes on this message, it would be impossible. I mean, he is going. He just goes for it, just, just goes, and he's Jesus, so he can do this. Um, he's teaching these people, and, and here's what Jesus does in this sermon. He, he lays this foundation, and, and what he says is, I have come to completely and perfectly fulfill the law. To fulfill it perfectly, completely. Uh, I have now come to call you to myself to be set apart, to love God, to love each other well, and to love even, as Jesus says, your enemies well. He encourages all of the people, don't worry about living a life to store up treasures in, in, on earth, but, but instead focus on what is eternal and live your life in light of that where fire, rust, moth, where nothing can destroy. And Jesus says, build your life on this. Now, I want us to begin our time reading Jesus' conclusion. So Matthew 7, toward the end, verse 24 is where I'll pick up. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And if if every, and if everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Jesus says, look, I am the foundation. I am the foundation, Built, build on me, build your life on me. When fires, floods, winds, rains, whatever comes, you will stand. 
because I don't shake, I don't crack, I don't move, I don't budge, I do not fall. So build on me, build on me. Now, fast forward. Turn with me a few pages to your right to Matthew 16. This is a little bit later on in Jesus' ministry. We're gonna pick it up. Uh, Jesus is addressing religious leaders. He has this wonderful way of frustrating them to no end. Um, he really does. It's a gift that Jesus possessed. But he just got through doing that. Then he turns to his disciples, and he's gonna pick up this same theme again. Listen to this. Now when Jesus came, it, this is verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? Right? And the disciples, they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, verse 15, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What a moment that was. What a proclamation that was. And listen to this, verse 17, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is supernaturally given to you. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, pause button. What is that rock? Now, uh, depending on your background, you may see this text a little differently. And that's okay. I mean, you'll be wrong, but, but it's okay. I'm joking. <laughs> It's okay. Jesus, looking at Peter, says, on this rock, on this rock. The question is, is to what is Jesus referring here? Peter has just made this proclamation. He says, uh, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus, this is you. It is you. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, that was revealed to you supernaturally through the Father. That didn't come to you naturally. That came to you supernaturally through the Father. And yes, on this rock. Church, the rock is not Peter the person. The rock is Peter's proclamation. The rock, to be more specific, is Peter has just told boldly, supernaturally, who Jesus is, his identity. And now Jesus says, yes, and on that rock, on that rock, Rock. Um, I want you to think about it like this. So uh, the Greek language, in the Greek language, nouns have genders. It's like Spanish, okay? And nouns have genders. Uh, and, and they're spelled a little differently depending on the gender, right? Um, so this is, we lose this in English a little bit. But if you know Spanish, it kind of translates a little bit better. So here's a quick Spanish lesson. What is the Spanish word for a boy cat? Gato, gato, right? All right, now, what is the Spanish word for a lady cat or female cat? Gata, right? Different word. Now, what is the English word for a boy cat? Cat. Now, what is the English word for lady cat? Cat, right? So we lose this, we lose this, but Greek is similar to Spanish in the sense that Greek has genders 
on their words. So here's what's happening here. Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, Petros, masculine, upon this rock, Petra, feminine. Feminine. So here's what I'm saying. Some of you are like, why on earth do I care? Right? I heard a commentator, I read a commentator who summed this up so well. Imagine a director looking at you and saying, you are the actor. You are the actor. And with this actress, I will make my movie. That is what's happening in this text. That's weird, right? Would you agree? That's weird? That's a weird way to, that's weird. So what is happening here? Again, church, Peter is not the rock. Peter the person is not the rock The rock is Peter's proclamation. Peter makes this incredible proclamation of who Jesus is, and Jesus says, yes, yes, Peter, and on that, on this, I will build my church. Listen to verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, meaning there is nothing that can come against a child of God. There is nothing. And all authority is now given through Christ on this rock, church, we are built. So Jesus is clear. I am this rock. I am the foundation. Build on me. Now, fast forward. Again, this time flip more pages to your right and let's land in 1 Corinthians, our text, in chapter three. Because here's what Paul's gonna do. Paul's gonna pick up again on this theme. Paul's gonna pick up again on this theme and listen to this. In light of what we just talked about, in light of what we just looked at and read, in light of our foundation and our rock, verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Verse 11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What Paul, amen, what Paul is saying right here is echoing what Jesus has been proclaiming, echoing it. Christ is the foundation. Christ is the foundation. Build your house on this rock and it will stand, it will not shake. Build your, the church is built on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is only one foundation. The Bible gives us only one viable option and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. And on this foundation, the church will never be destroyed. It will never crumble. It will never fall. It will endure. Now, one clarification before we move on. Um, the global church will never be destroyed. Not only does our Bible tell us that, but, but history tells us that as well. Um, we have seen this time and time again that the church has endured uh, truly terrible moments in history, truly horrible persecution and pressure. The church has gone through some truly terrible things, but the church stands founded on Jesus Christ and she will endure. We do not have to live in fear that the church will cease to exist. 
the global church will forever stand until Jesus returns, will forever and ever stand. We don't have to live in fear that the church is going to die no matter what our culture tells us. Now, the global church will not be destroyed, but here's the clarification I wanna make. The local churches can indeed be wounded seriously and sometimes fatally. The, the, unfortunately, we have seen this historically as well. We have seen this historically. We're seeing reports of this from outside pressure in the Middle East, for example, right now, where churches are being pressured and imprisoned and persecuted, and these local churches have been wounded. Some of them have been forced to flee, right? This is happening historically from outside pressure. But more than that, let's look at inside pressure. Um, Some of you may have come through a difficult time in the church where you have weathered uh, some truly terrible and painful things. And some of you might have even been a part of a church that had to close its doors. Um, According to statistics, over more than 4,000 churches close their doors each year. Uh, Now, 1,000 churches are being planted, which that's good, but let's not rush past the fact that 4,000 congregations are closing their doors and calling it quits. That should break our hearts. That should absolutely break. And if you're here and you have navigated through a season like that, I, I want to just stop and say, I am sorry. And it, is, it, it can be so difficult. It can be so incredible, dif- incredibly difficult. But I want to encourage you and challenge you to not let that experience, not let that experience shake your confidence in the church that that painful experience doesn't mark the way you view the the future of the church because the church will stand. The church, um, God has a beautiful plan for his church. God has sent his son for the, the church is worth fighting for. The church is worth giving ourselves to. The church is worth it. Paul makes this very clear. Local churches can face some very difficult times. And most of the times, church, let's just be honest, the difficulty comes from the inside out. Comes from the inside out. Uh, in other words, it's, it's not necessarily the pressure that the church faces from the culture around it as much as it is the pressure that comes boiling up from within. And that church is exactly what Paul is speaking to in the Corinthian church. It's exactly what he is calling out because Paul looks and sees division. From the inside out, he sees this division and Paul is speaking directly to the division that he sees. And in returning to the building analogy, he says, Christ is our only sure foundation. And then Paul says this, listen, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Let each one take care. Verse 12, look at this, not... Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
Now, I want to say something just really obvious right off the bat before we go any further. Um, Christ is the foundation. Amen? In church, we are builders. Christ is the foundation. We are builders. Building the church is not my job alone. Building the church is no pastor's job alone. We are co-builders, co-laborers, and I want us to think about this for a moment. It is not your job or my job. It is not our job to go around and look for the nicest looking built church for you to come and enjoy. That is not and has never been our job. It is not our job to come and enjoy the building expertise of someone else. We are builders. As a child of God, you are part of the building, not a, not a resident. As a, as a child of God, you are part of the construction crew, not a spectator. Grab a hammer. Grab a drill. Um, we together, Paul says, let each one take care how he builds upon it, meaning we together are being built up upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We have skin in this game. I want to bring this to our church. Fast forward thousands of years to our church today. I don't know if you have ever seen this. Uh, I saw it uh, last week, actually. I was, I was on a run, and I was running by a neighborhood that was in construction, and there was a house being built in this neighborhood. And um, maybe you've seen something like this, but there were six guys that I could see working on this house. Six guys. Let me rephrase that. There was one guy who was working on this house, and there were five guys who were standing there watching this one guy up on a ladder work on framing. And when I say they weren't doing anything, they were literally huddled up. Some of them were drinking. One dude was sitting on the ground. One dude was throwing rocks into the pond. Like, they were really, yeah, you, you, you've seen it probably. Now, to be fair, you know, I probably caught him at a bad time. I'm not, if you're in construction, I am not accusing you, all right? To be fair, I don't know their schedules. I could have called them at a bad time. But to be real honest, this kind of feels exactly like what we view the church as, where there's a few dudes up on the ladder, and there's a large number of the crowd watching as, as, they, as they build. This feels a lot like the church, and, and Paul is clear here, the church is not something you spectate or consume. The church is something you build together. It's something that you build. He says again, let each one take care of how he builds upon it. We build together. There is no one-man show in the church. We together build the church. We are co-workers, co-laborers. We are builders together on a foundation. And by the way, my fellow builders, God cares about the materials we use in the building process. God cares about our building materials. Uh, there's an old story that we tell our kids about three little pigs. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. Um, but three little pigs, right, are trying to build houses to withstand a, an angry wolf who has surprisingly impressive lung capacity, which has always confused me. 
I mean, I don't know if wolves have a history of ever blowing anything, but anyway, um, I'm just saying. The story goes where the first pig, right, um, with straw, builds his house. It doesn't go well. The wolf blows it down. And the second pig, you know, tries with sticks. Again, that doesn't go well. The wolf puffs and puffs, and that's done. The third one, though, builds with bricks, and that does the trick. This, this wolf cannot muster enough lung strength to blow this thing down. Listen, in this story, it matters what you build your house with. Um, we can build on the rock. We can build on a firm foundation. But if we use puny building materials, then we, are, we'll, we will crumble under the pressure. Paul says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, right? Those are the, the materials that will withstand the big bad wolf. Um, or wood, hay, and straw, which, you know, are those that the big bad wolf would have, would have his way with. Um, there is a difference in an outcome depending on what you build with. What we build with matters, And Paul tells us clearly, there will be a day when we stand before the Lord and we give an account. When we give an account, and and I want you to hear me, we will not only give an account for ourselves personally and individually, you will, but not only will you give an account for for yourself personally, individually, um, but when you stand before the Lord, you will give an account for your role in the church. You will give an account for your role in the church. I want us just to take a moment to consider this because if God has called us to be active members and builders of his church, then at the end of the day, we're gonna give an account for how we lived that out, how we walked that out out. There is, we've got to get past this idea that building the church and church ministry is the job of the elders and pastors, and that they're the only ones who are going to give an account. And, and let me be clear, we will. I will. And we, we take that very seriously, that we'll give an account for how we shepherded this church. But hear me, we need to see together that we will stand before the Lord. We will stand before the Lord, and we will give an account for what we have built together. We will give an account. There's a reward for those who build on a foundation with quality materials and for those um, who, who get involved, who don't get involved or who use faulty materials. Paul says there will be a test. Listen to this one more time. Um, verse 15, if, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Listen, um, I need to make something very, 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 very clear. Your salvation is a work of God, period. There is nothing you do to add to it, to take away from it. It is a work that you, that he has accomplished on your behalf. The work of God and your life to save you is a supernatural work that you simply respond to. Now, 
Paul says, he himself will be saved. Meaning, it's not about you working to earn your salvation. You don't earn that. It's already been earned. But Paul says, you'll be saved, but only through fire. And I want us to look at this. This is the uh, New Living Translation. And it adds some color to, to this translation, but I think it nails it spot on. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I don't want to be the church that barely escapes through a wall of flames. I don't want to be the church. I want to be a church that builds with lasting materials so that when we stand before the Lord, we have something that we have built together. Christ is the foundation. We are builders. We are workers, co-laborers. And now, Paul, I want to bring this one level closer, all right? Not only is Christ the foundation, we are the builders, but Paul makes it very clear. We are bricks. We are bricks. Remember, I said that God cares about the quality of his building materials. Um, the church is not a physical building. It is, it is us. God cares about about us, we are bricks, um, being built together into the church, the temple of God. Listen to verse sixteen. Do you do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. We are being built together into that temple. We are being built together. So let's do something. Um, real quick, look around. I saw like three of you do it. Come on. Look around. All right. Look around. Do you see them? Those are your fellow bricks. Those are your fellow bricks. And just so you know, one brick should never say to another, I have no need of you. Why are you so close to me? I'll just let you sit on that. <laughs> the building will only stand if the bricks work together, if they are stuck together, strong together. This is why Paul is coming against division in the church. So you know another name for a brick wall where the bricks are divided against each other? A crumbling wall is another name for that, for that wall. We don't have an option. We must see ourselves as, a, as co-builders, co-bricks, being built together on the foundation of Jesus Christ. God cares about his church, his temple. And listen to this. One more thing. In verse 16, when he, when he says, do you not know that you, that you is plural. Okay, that you is plural. It's y'all. Right, y'all, you guys. We'll use the Texas Standard Version, the TSV. Someone needs to do that. Um, <laughs> do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in y'all? That sounds real terrible. Um, it gets the point across, though, right? And then listen, listen at the end. For God's temple is holy, and y'all are that temple. We need each other. We're being built together. Get involved. If you're not involved, if you're not engaged, we need you. The church needs you. 
This is the plan of God. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we need your brick. We need your brick. You are needed here. We're committed to helping you find a way to get involved. Um, We will, without shame, tell you that you are needed here. Without any shame. No matter how much we, God chooses to grow us, we need you. And if you're here and you're not plugged into any church, get involved. Get involved. If, if you're here and maybe it's not even with us, I'll forgive you for that as long as you get involved somewhere else. All right? We are the church. The church needs you. We come together as God's temple and spectating is not an option. Don't be the guys watching the other guy up on the ladder. I want to finish with this because I think there are some paradigms that need to be flipped upside down. Some ways that we think, some mindsets that need to be flipped upside down in in some really big ways. And I want to start with the first one. We must shift our mindset from consumer to builder. From consumer to builder. It is easy, it's so easy to fall into this this mindset that the church somehow exists to meet your needs and the needs of your family. It's so easy to fall into this. That's the mindset of a consumer. Churches then, in that world, are looked at like, like companies trying to vie for customers, trying to win over customers over that one, right? And it, 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 to win over potential consumers. And we can shop for churches like we do for our cars, when we look for a car that, that is comfortable, that is safe, that has the bells and whistles that we, that we need, we'll test drive them to make sure they're going to meet our needs, which, by the way, is a great way to shop for a car. It is a lousy way to shop for a church. It is a lousy way to shop for a church. Think about it. What if God created you and placed you in a church that did not meet all your needs, but placed you in a church where you are to meet needs? What if God placed you in a place that that he literally wants to use you as the plan to make an impact in, in people's lives? To lean in. What if the thing that might have caused you to say, we need to go somewhere else? was the thing that led you to say, you know what? They need me here. And I need to be a part of building. To shift from a consumer to a builder. That is purpose and that is significance and that is beautiful. Nothing can stop a church that has that mentality. Built on Christ and nothing can stop that. Nothing can stop that. The church doesn't exist for our comfort or our entertainment. We don't want a church that exists for that reason. It's, it's puny. We exist to link arms together to build. We exist to link arms together to build co-laborers, co-builders. We pick a church not based on what it can give, but what we can give. This is a huge mindset that would radically change the the climate of the church. If we could grab this, I want to be a part of a church like that. 
I'd give myself to a church like that. You're not a customer. You're not a coworker, or you, you are a coworker. You're a co-builder, and this is huge, and it's gotta be a shift that takes place from consumer to builder. Let me, let me talk about one more mindset. From independent to interdependent. From independent to interdependent. Here's what I mean by this. Independent says, I don't need anyone else. Uh, independence says community is painful. Independence looks at divisions and struggles and pains in the church and says, look, I am strong without having to deal with that. I don't need this. I don't, I don't need that. I don't have to deal with this. I'm strong on my own. And honestly, independence is something that's very appealing because you feel strong and there's a control to it. Um, it it's, it's really appealing. But here's the reality Paul is, is talking about us together being built on Christ. Us together being built up as the church. In, in a sense, you are not the church. You alone are not the church. We together are the church being built up. Um, I'll say it like this. You are a wonderful brick. Just an extraordinary brick. But a lonely brick is not all that useful. It's not. It's, it's not all that useful. Let me contrast that with interdependent. Interdependence is not dependence. Don't get me wrong. Interdependence is where two people, mutually strong people, come together in a, with a mutual reliance on one another. A mutual, uh, autonomous people come into a relationship where there's a mutual reliance. Independence says, interdependence says, you are an awesome brick, you stand alone as a really cool brick, but you're best used together. When we come together, mutually reliant upon other bricks. When bricks are used like that, they go from just being a brick, a wonderful brick, to being a wonderful and useful home, a wonderful wall. We are built together. This is interdependence. The church is an interdependent organization. You need to find a place where, where others rely on you and when you, where you rely on others. You need to find a community like that. Church, it should bother you. If you are here in this church, and you are completely independent from it. That should bother you. It should bother you if you are in this church and no one and nothing is relying on you. It should bother you. It should cause you to go, you know what? I need to assess myself. It's a sign that I need to assess myself. We together, being built on the foundation, we are the temple and if we together are being built up as the temple, being built on Christ, then we cannot isolate ourselves. We cannot isolate ourselves. Church, we are builders, we are bricks, and above all, we cannot forget our cornerstone, our foundation, our rock, which is Jesus Christ. So I wanna finish with this. I wanna invite you, would you stand with me? I want us to, to sing together, close our time by singing together, and I would like to um, 
I want to just read to you these lyrics. Listen to this, church. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all.